Hey, Trey. What's up? Um, it's been been going well. Up has been up. Um, I have a, a fun fun little emotional story for you. Um, How emotional? Not that emotional. Um, but like, you know that I have been losing weight. And my clothes have stopped fitting me very well. Okay. Um, so I went to the mall recently to get new clothes, which has always been a very painful experience for me in the past because it's hard to find clothes that fit me or like even look good. But I was like, this to me, I was like, this is gonna be like we're 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 gonna take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you can't find anything. Like just try some stores out. Like don't don't freak out. So I went to. I went to some stores that I was like, they've never carried my size. There's no way I'm fitting. But I'm just like, I, I kind of wanted to go there. I was like, I'm just going to look through and I'm going to say no to everything because it's garbage anyway. And then Great. I found some pieces. I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is actually kind of nice. And I was trying things on and they all fit. And I like had an emotional moment where like different stores, I was able to find things that actually looked good on me and fit. And I was like getting emotional that I was like, oh my God, this has never happened before. I can just go into stores and buy whatever I want now. And like, there's going to be things for me. And then I got very angry very quickly afterwards because I was like, it should have never been the- <laughs> like, I should have always been. There's no reason why I shouldn't have been able right. to go into any store and bought whatever I wanted. So then I got really mad at society for like, for the fat phobia that exists and how it like negatively affects very simple day-to-day things. Um, and then I went home and I calmed the fuck down. But that was my... I had a, a good moment. It was a good moment, but also recognized. And I wanted everybody on the pod to hear because it reminded me of our costume episode. The last two paragraphs of that are the most you thing I've ever heard oh, you absolutely. say. Here's Wild. a story that's really nice and uplifting. Then I got mad at society. Then I went home and calmed down. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like I don't, I don't know about uplifting. Like I never should. Like I should have always well, been. Like it's like I, I'm, I am proud of myself for losing weight. It should never be the case for anybody where they can't go into a store and find clothes that they feel good in. Agreed. That should just never be a thing. And I, I got mad that I ever had to feel, like, relieved that I could go into it. Like, that's such a, I don't know. It's yeah. like a basic thing that everybody should be able to True. do. True. I, uh, I've been having an emotional everything because I'm in the middle of a run of rent. And well, that, I'm emotionally I mean, that's drained. Of, that's a lot of emotions. I'm emotionally drained. A sold-out run of rent. I would promote yeah. it. But you can't get tickets anymore. So... Uh-huh. I'll tell you all about it if you don't have tickets, except I'm not going to tell you about it because you should have gotten tickets. There we go. That was so <laughs> sweet. I'm a part of it. Ex- uh, although, after after your behavior in the last episode, if anybody wants a ticket, <laughs> I know I am going to see the show. I'm very excited. I'm excited to have you there. Yeah. I think by the time. Yeah. No, it'll still be. Actually, it'll still be running by the time this airs. So Yes. Yes, it will. I believe we'll have one more weekend. Yeah. Right? Unless we extend it forever. Rent forever. A hundred years of rent. <laughs> I would <laughs> die. Rent, my vocal cords would years, evacuate. One hundred years of, of rent. My my vocal cords would evacuate from yeah, my body. I mean, I I only go to one show. So <laughs> not if you extend it, I'm not seeing another. Not seeing it again. 
I uh yeah. It's been a it's been a long week. Um it's been a, a, a wild week as tech weeks are our want to go. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, we made it through and put up a show that is very well liked. I'm very yeah. proud of it. People seem to be responding super well and that's all you can really hope for. We're that's having awesome. a blast with it. Uh so we have uh got fan mail yeah yeah we've gotten some a couple of emails from the theater fan dates yeah oh oh from the i'm audience. trying it out <laughs> i think we already agreed on audience theater fan dates <laughs> from the audience from our our friends of the pod audience members um one person uh a friend of the pod carla emailed in with some advice um that i think Hi, carla Hi, Carla. Um, that I feel like a lot of people have asked this question once or twice in their life when they wanted to get into community theater. So I wanted to share it with everybody. Um, so Carla says, uh, I need to skip. skip it. Oh, I have a question. As someone who is trying to get into musicals, I really want to do a show with my husband, who's an amazing singer. What advice would you have for me? I'm a strong actor, at least I think I am, and I have a decent voice, but I will never have pipes, you know? I have trained with vocal coaches recently, um, and I was in select vocal ensemble in high school, but never kept up with my voice. I feel like I have a lot to offer and bring to the table from an acting perspective for musical roles, even if I might not have the strongest voice in the rooms, room. Any advice? And I think like that's I'm sure there's there is absolutely always a place in community theater for people who are stronger actors than they are singers. Um, so we gave some advice. I'm not going to read all of it verbatim, um, but I just wanted to go over like the the points that I made. And hopefully if you have felt like you are ever in this position, um, hopefully it helps you as well. Um, so I said, uh, focus on your strength. Um, she specifically said that she thinks she's a good actor. And I told her, you know you're a good actor. And focus on the fact that you have this this strength of yours that not necessarily every strong singer has. So when you're auditioning or when you're in that that musical audition, feel free to put in some acting choices to your vocal audition that you won't necessarily hear from the, you won't see or hear from the best singers. Um, who are a little bit more focused on just showing that they have a, a strong, trained voice. And it doesn't have to be like a major, you know, movement that you do, but put a little something, add some color to the text while you're singing, um, something subtle that will catch the panel's attention to show like you do have those acting chops and you can provide something even if you don't feel the most confident in your voice. A big one, my ne- my next tip, uh, pick the right repertoire. You don't. I. You don't always have to feel like you need to go into a vocal audition with a big money number belt. If that's not what your voice can do or who you are, it's okay to figure out what is the character that I'm looking for. What song is right for my voice? What will feel comfortable when I'm nervous? What's something that I can really perform? Focus on that a lot more than trying to impress the panel. And quite frankly, 
you know, uh, as somebody who has been on the other side of the panel, I'd rather have somebody who makes a tasteful decision and does a good performance with a less difficult piece than somebody who tries to belt out a high note and absolutely fails. Um, next tip, keep building your skills. And this goes beyond just, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, keep up with my vocal coach and keep practicing until I get better. There are there are skills that you can add to your vocal audition that go beyond just the quality of your voice. Um, so along with kind of making acting choices, you can make choices with how you use your voice to convey emotions um, and and provide a little bit more to the audition than, again, just the quality of your voice. You can growl. You can add some light airiness to certain places in the song. You can do kind of these, you know, un unconventional things with your voice that just catch the panel's attention and says, like, oh, I you have some control over your voice that actually is not too hard to do. These aren't like, oh, you can only be a very well-trained singer in order to do these things they're actually fairly easy to learn and as long as you kind of keep up with it and and don't try to overdo it it's very easy and doesn't affect your voice and then oh go ahead i think to that end too i mean i've <clears throat> definitely heard like similar sentiments to like this kind of thing before right where it's like well i want to get in to musical theater or I want to do better in musical theater you know I kind of hear I've heard the the gambit mm -hmm. the gamut rather of like people who want to improve to do more musical theater right and I think that one of the things I hear a lot is well I worked with a vocal coach mm -hmm. and I think that something that we maybe miss that is is very important I think to just kind of put out in the air is that Building a voice, particularly one that hasn't been used a lot, uh, particularly for musical theater, which is a lot of very hard repertoire mm -hmm. often, takes a long time. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time to build a voice. It's building a, a, a muscle that's been not really in use or worse, used in inefficient or, or, or poor ways. Right. You know, Even the way that we talk often is not great right for the voice mm -hmm. so you know that that's one of the things that i kind of tell people is like it's great you're on the right track if you're trying to strengthen your vocals and you found a coach that resonates with you that you think is giving you good technique stick with it for longer than you think you have right. to it can't just be, i so there have been many times where someone has been like well, I'll come in for a lesson and you can teach me how to belt. And yeah, it's no, like, oh, no, 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 no. You can come in for the next year and I can teach you how to belt. Honestly, and then like, take those lessons and work on them for the rest of your life. There's kind of, I mean, something that profession, professional singers never stop working with no. their their voice trainers or their vo voice coaches. Like that, it is something that, you know, a, while they it may not be consistent forever, a lot of them will always go back, and even if they're masters, you I always mean, go back. I actively, like many days a week, teach voice. Mm -hmm. When I was preparing for my last audition, I 
had a lesson with my voice teacher. Yeah. Because there are just things that I still like, and the things that he gave me were things that I didn't think about. Yeah. And I think it improved my performance tenfold. A thousand percent. Um, so that's important is to just stick with that. If you're on that path, stick with it. Stick yeah. with it. And, and you know, with learning any instrument, and the voice is absolutely an instrument, you will hit plateaus mm-hmm. where you think, well, maybe this is as good as it's going to get. And then someday you will just break off of that plateau and it'll just go up and up and up. Yeah. So really stick with that. I think that's, you know, kind of key to this whole equation. Yeah. And then my last tip was audition for fun. Don't feel like, I think that was probably the best audition advice that I was ever given was audition for shows that you can't do or don't want. Um, That way, like, you get used to the audition process, you get your face, you get your voice out there. Um, And worst case scenario is you don't get the role, which you didn't want or or couldn't do anyway. Um, But you got that experience. It's so important to sing your audition pieces in front of people. It gets you that experience and that like true practice that you need. And then the best case scenario is they do offer you a role and like, and then you figure out, like, do I just turn it down or do I try to make it fit into my schedule? I mean, that's the thing that I, I preach this to, like, my students all the time is that, like, the greatest thing about an audition is that you're always playing with house money, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you walk into a room for an audition without a role and the worst thing that's ever going to happen I think I've said this on the podcast. Didn't I say this on the podcast? Yeah, you did. Yeah, the worst thing that's ever going to happen is you walk out without a role. Uh, so yeah, and I'm I'm a huge proponent of like the only way to get rid of those nerves, the only way to get rid of, to figure out how people hold auditions because everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, you know, kind of does it differently. Slightly differently, yeah. Um, is to get out there and do it. It's the same thing as practicing anything else. The only way to practice something is to do it. Mm-hmm. I hope that helped. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Carla, for that great question. And I really hope that our advice does help you. And anybody that's listening and has the same um, questions or, you know, concerns as Carla, hopefully our advice will help you too. And then we got one more fan email that I wanted to talk about um, from another audience member, friend of the pod, Cynthia. Cynthia. Cynthia, I bet you're a really cool dancer. And I know that you are because you say it in this email. Did you get that reference, Trey? Cynthia, she's a really cool dancer. Cynthia, Get out. Rugrats, Cynthia? Nope. Make an omelet, Cynthia. Never watched Rugrats. <gasps> Holy crap. Every audience this is something to learn this? about me is that I, I never really watched Nickelodeon shows child okay wow all right well i've broken your spirit hurts that was my childhood um anyways cynthia emails us to let her know that she vehemently agrees with what trey said um about she should i listen i agree with it too um that 
when you're doing your dance rehearsal, the um, the music director should be present and you should try to always um, learn your dances with the actual um, accompaniment, not a track. It only makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, we went over this and I, I we love your support of that, Cynthia. And also she gave us really like a, a really good piece of advice that she does that I want everybody to hear. And that's that she actually writes all of her um, her dance notes into the music so that even during her music rehearsals, she can pl- plan her breaths a little bit better with the movement that she's doing um, so that she doesn't run out of breath for specific notes. Really great advice, Cynthia. Thank you so much. And hopefully other people start doing the same um, and just have a better experience with their song and dance. It's an excellent idea. Yeah. I Yeah. Thanks for agreeing with me. I love that. <laughs> you know, I will say the it doesn't that happen. Adam is making it doesn't right happen now. often. Well, I'm here to just say like, thank you so much, Cynthia. Like, what a great, what great <laughs> advice. And you're just like, thank you for validating me, Cynthia. Someone has to. Make an omelet, Cynthia. I don't understand. I know you don't, and I don't care that you do, because other people in this audience will understand. I'm and, sure. And you know what? Email email in and validate me and you think say I'm that not, you love do you, Rugrats. You think I'm not used to this? You know what else I didn't watch? Don't. SpongeBob. We... Wow. Never. You love that musical, too. It's great. I saw it with Sam. It's. It was so much fun. Yeah, I, I think it, like, I'm sure it's fun. I, it's not, I love some numbers. I'm not, like, big into it, but. No, it's very much not a you type not musical. Much of an, I didn't hate it. I think it, I'm sure staged, like it's visually oh, spectacular. It's unbelievable. I'm sure. But like musically, I think there are a few good songs that I was happy with. Overall, it's just not for me. Music is also unbelievable. It's so good. I wouldn't call it unbelievable. It's so good. The imagination, but. It's so good. It was it We was need astounding. to move on from. But I never watched the show. From the lack of. Trey's childhood and start talking about our main topic for the for the episode. Oh right, yeah, a topic that's near and dear to to both of our hearts. Yeah, we've I was, both done yeah. this. I've it's definitely happened. Done it a lot I, more. I've done it a lot more. I yeah. do it currently, constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, music directing, music yeah. directors, hey, music, directing. music directing. Um. Yeah, as we, you know, as we kind of started on, uh, well, not kind of, we did start on last week, kind of moving from the bigger concepts of community theater into, like, the cogs, the parts that, that make it actively work, right? Yeah. The the people who are there uh, last week was, you know, costumers and, and makeup mm-hmm. artists and hairstylists and... Um. Yeah. This is this is a big one. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna, gonna do a musical, like a <laughs> if you're gonna do a musical, you probably need a music director. Probably. Well, you know what? <laughs> I was gonna make fun of you for saying probably, and then I remembered that I did do a musical without a music director. It was bad, but it happened. That sounds like a nightmare. It was a nightmare. You um, know what happened? You know, really fun story that you're gonna love. Well, you know this story, but. Because they, this is actually the first time, this leads into the first time I ever music directed, because that was such a bad experience, right, 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 I said, right, right, right. you need a music director and I'd be happy to do it for you. So I did it and 
a lot of there are a lot of things that kind of clicked into place and had to be maneuvered, but that's how we ended up doing American Idiot together. I was about to say that means that you are directly responsible for me music directing in this area oh, as well. One thousand percent. I thought this was known and should have been internalized every time you think about your music directing career <laughs> of how you should be thanking me for it. I'll I'll send you all my awards. Uh <laughs> Just an empty shell. There's one. No, there's (laughs) one. It's like, Uh, what? There's one. It was a good one. Uh, I've got a bunch of empty shelf space if you don't want to fill it. Uh, Maybe someday. Yeah, sure. Just make sure that, like, if you ever, like, if you ever do, like, uh, like win an award that you have to give a speech, you have to shout me out. That's your, that's. I think I would have done that even. Stop it. Would you have really? Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have done that for you. I know. That's not true. If you had like, if you had gotten me my start, I absolutely would have. That's really funny. But you've really I never thought about the series of events that I, led I, to you know that. you know how carefully I planned that. <laughs> I knew I had that planned for a while because I knew he was going to do the show that I music directed, and then American Idiot. I was like, oh, I could, I could, I could use this to my advantage, and that's exactly what I did. That is my show. Yep, that's my show, and it always will be. I would like to do it again, please. Oh, absolutely. That'd be great. Um, Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Yes. And where do you usually start as a music director during, like, doing your a music rehearsal? <laughs> I can't believe you wrote this in the outline. Warm-ups. Yeah. You know, it's funny about warm-ups and... Uh, I'm, I, I'm waiting for I the ex- joke. Should I expose myself... On this podcast, I we're we're I filming recently. This is not OnlyFans. I, I not like that this time. <laughs> I you go on. I said recently to someone that so I music direct a lot. Mm-hmm. I also drum for shows yeah. a lot. I also am in shows occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will fully judge another music director from the way they warm up a cast that i is that not normal doesn't I or is it just so. us i, would, I might just be us i don't know somebody I, else oh, tell I absolutely, us if I mean, you I, also do I, that i'm a very judgmental person i but i, I like use if the warm-ups are bad i extrapolate that onto everything else it's hard to separate. I it's get hard that. to separate because it's just like this is basic stuff. Yeah. So what are what like your what are your criteria that like what what distinguishes good warm ups from bad so, warm ups? Well, I don't think I'm very I mean, good at warm ups. It, it, so it is it is very like it is subjective, right? But mm-hmm. like when I this whole podcast is subjective, <laughs> right? When I uh, when I come up with a warm up set for a show. I will often think about starting what are the demands of the music, mm-hmm. right? So I I have a set number of warm-ups that I use for most things. I use it in my voice lessons. I use it at the beginning of most rehearsals. But I kind of tailor those and temper those with, like, I really almost think of it like, almost like Lego pieces. Like I'm mm-hmm. taking one out and putting one in its place that right. would better fit this situation, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm doing a rock That's show, nice. I will do 
warmups that are generally a raksha will be higher. Mm -hmm. So I'll do my warmups a step higher or a step and a half higher. Um, generally, I'll do like more aggressive kind of like, okay, we need to warm up this part of the voice that's going to get hammered by doing, mm -hmm. a, doing a rock show. Generally in a rock, like if I'm doing a rock show, I'll throw in some like, uh, like stretches and like laryngeal massage to it because these are things that are getting super tired out by that style of music, mm -hmm. right? Very different than if I did like a golden age musical. Right. There are different requirements that you need to hit um, during a, a, a warm up. I also am heavily against uh, any warm up that requires you to learn words. Okay. Because you already have to learn so many words in the show. I have seen music directors do a different, like, tongue twister style oh, warm up. Oh, I see what you mean. Every single rehearsal. And it's just like, what are we doing here when we could really just sing this on an E and it would be the same or better? Because I you're think not it's having for to. Enunciation, right? Yeah, but like, come on. Okay. <laughs> Do we I have to have, warm up our enunciation? Audience, you'd I, 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 I'm not very strong one way or the other, but I do think that there is a place for helping you warm up with like your enunciation and and. So you're talking about tongue twisters in general as a warm up to like Can warm you give up. Me an example of what you're talking about. Maybe we're thinking about two different things. You know what is my least favorite yes. warm up? I don't. Well, no, I don't know, it. but I would love to know. Uh, many mumbling mice are making merry music in the moonlight. Mighty nice. You ever heard that one? I have. Yeah. I hate that shit. Get that out of my face immediately. Okay. I have to think on that o audience. I could use some some help on this. I guess. I guess just, I don't see not the benefit as a, it's of just, that. No, and it's not as effective as a. I'm talking when I say a warm up. I'm talking about we are we are warming up your singing voice. Yeah, we are warming up the the part that will get damaged if it's not properly taken care of. Mm -hmm. Right. So, to me, doing something like that is far less effective than just going e upscales mm -hmm. and back down and doing it properly and making sure that everybody is doing it correctly, making sure everyone is doing the vowel correctly making sure that everyone is placing it right because you could do it with something like that sure this is going to lead into a much bigger subject if i'm not careful that i will get into in a second yeah. but i just i you wrote this in the outline and i need to tell this story i need yeah. to bring this up whatever story could you mean try the one you wrote in the outline well go ahead okay uh i i don't remember just, what i wrote many moons ago we were doing American Idiot. Yeah. And I had my set of warm-ups mm -hmm. that I would do. And How high would you go, Trey? One day, I would go to a G-sharp or an A-flat, if you're nasty. Oh, my God. Um, I would. And Adam very confidently walked up to me after a warm-up. Now, it was one of those days we've all been in rehearsal processes. It was one of those days where there's like, just like tension in the air of the room mm -hmm. because of some other bullshit that had happened. 
And Adam very confidently walked right up to me and said, I need you to warm me up to an A. And I thought that was the <laughs> most amazing, most hilarious <laughs> thing I had ever seen, ever. And you know what I did? You, you never I, warmed me up to an A? No, I moved the warm-up oh, Did you really? Step. I did. I, didn't, I thought you didn't. Here's nope. the thing. Well, here's the thing about my side of that is that I have absolutely no recollection of doing that. I, Which is so on brand for you. Yes. I mean, my memory isn't great. I f that sounds like something I would do, especially at the time, and I fully believe that I did it. I don't know what the context was around it. I think I have an idea. I know what the context is. You needed me to warm you up to an A. I did, but like, why, why, why an A? Was, why, why, an A? why was I so like upset about it? I don't know. I think you just saw, I really believe this, and I say this with all the love in my heart, I really think you just saw that I stopped at A flat and you were like, I need there to be a problem here immediately. That is not, <laughs> no, that doesn't sound like me. Here's what I think was happening. I think, uh, gosh, how do I say that without getting in trouble? I think I was getting a lot of flack for not doing something vocally that I should not have been asked to do. Mm. And it was very, mm. I would get that note constantly. Um, I know exactly what yep, you're talking great. about. Great. That is probably what it was. I think I was getting, I was getting you a lot. You did have to sing really high in that I did show. Have, it, was a, uh, it was probably the highest note that any man was singing in that song. Actually, I think that, it was the highest show. note that anyone sang in that no. show. No. Then the, then the girls? The sopranos really the don't gals? go that high in that show. Oh, I didn't know that. It was a high note, and the way that I was being asked, not by you, to <laughs> right. sing it was not a healthy way of using my voice. Well, let's let's use uh, your what you just said as a segue, <laughs> okay? For any music directors out there who might be listening in, uh, let's talk about a concept that I think that everyone can benefit for. This will mm -hmm. probably come up more as we talk about directors and 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 choreographers things like that yeah let's talk about this concept of staying in your lane okay yeah yeah oh i love that um because i've seen music directors try to give directing notes i've seen directors try to give music notes i've seen choreographers try to do both mm -hmm. Um, I've seen a costume director or a costumer try to give choreography notes, and I've seen a lighting guy trying to give directing notes. Across the board, yeah. as we move on talking about these things, let's all remember that we all have a very specific role to play in the community theater process, uh, and we we should we should we should stay in our lane. Unless you are asked, there are people that I work with who. I have explicitly told if you have something to say about the music, please say it, uh, and and vice versa. I you know there are certain people that I work with who understand that like a part of music directing is sometimes giving like yeah. a direction, mm -hmm. and that's okay. And we've talked about it, and it's acknowledged that that will happen. I think that should be in concert with each other, though, and yes. not like if you haven't spoke, if the two of you haven't spoken about it and come to a conclusion together, yes, then you shouldn't be going over anybody's head and giving it to the actor directly. Yes. Yes. So that's warm ups. That's my spiel on warm ups. And uh, I agree with most of it. I think I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on the, the tongue twister thing. I need to think about that a little bit more. I don't have a problem with 
annunciation warm-ups. I don't know if the one that you gave is an annunciation warm-up. If you want to do a tongue twister for annunciation, do it. I don't think it's very effective for anything, to be completely honest. I And that's just my opinion on it. I, I, I don't think that it benefits anyone in any real way, other than maybe making them feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Um, if you're doing a patter song that could be very helpful. Sure. Um, a lot of patter songs. There's a lot of patter sure. songs in musical theater. Um, but, you know, there's also not much instruction given when you do like a, like, how do you make that effective? No, it's just like, I'm going to throw these tongue twisters at you and just say them, whatever. A lot of it is like a lot of a lot of warm ups that I see are simply gonna... <laughs> regurgitated information instead of like I'm doing this because A, B, and C. Sure. I think I can agree with that. A lot of musical. What you're about to say is correct. I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about warm ups. Let's move on. on. There's there's more to the the music rehearsal. Assigning vocal parts. Yeah, like you've got a group of people. Yep. um, And I I think we're about to talk about a very the same thing that we're immediately thinking when we think about assigning voice parts. But you got a you got a group of people who and you've got probably three to four part harmony. Mm -hmm. You got to split them up. Mm-hmm. And I will if you try to have them do it on their own, you oh, will have God, don't to you if in a in a if you have ten women and ten men, and you say okay like what's your voice part? You now have nine sopranos and <laughs> eight tenors, and that doesn't really work when you want a good blend. So Trey, how do you deal with that? Tell me I'm wrong. By the way, tell me I'm no, wrong. No, no, you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent correct. There's in no world would I say that that is wrong. You're a hundred percent correct, and I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it as say it, it is. Say it, girl. Fucking, you're probably not a soprano, and you're <laughs> probably not a tenor. Yeah. And you need to live in that baritone and alto world for a little bit. I. And, and just okay. realize how much. Just honestly realize how much better your life is gonna mm-hmm. be. I get so oh somebody told me once i was a soprano so i sing soprano mm. it's like oh but you're not so maybe this not is how for i this show either this, maybe you were for yeah. that show maybe you were for that group a lot and this is the thing it does often come down i have i have had people legitimately pissed at me that i put them on an alto harmony mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like well we need altos. Yeah. And also, we, you always sometimes you're just not the best. Like, if even if you are a soprano, sometimes you're just not the best soprano in the room. Or you're not the best soprano for the sound that I'm yes. trying to blend. Yeah. I um, So this is how I deal with it. I just tell people what they're going to sing. Yeah. When, I, when someone auditions for me, and this is across the board, I've done this for every single show and i don't know that this is standard but it probably should be Mm -hmm. when someone auditions for me i write down what i think their voice part is yeah now if they have it if they have a range of notes that they can sing on their resume then i will generally be like this is probably correct yeah if they write just a voice part I will write what voice part I think they should be singing. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I am wrong. That happens. 
Sometimes someone is coming in with a song that they think is good for the show. It's different than what their voice usually sounds like. Um, I'm thinking of one specific person who I absolutely was like, you need to sing the alto part. And then halfway through the process, I was like, you are a very good soprano. And I made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, um, that's good. That's and that's okay. Of you. Like, that's okay to make those mistakes yeah. because all I'm trying to do is get the ensemble to sound good. Yeah. Um, and I have, when I can, I have cast shows based on this. And that, you know, goes way back to casting about how, like, sometimes it has nothing to do with your talent. Sometimes it's just what the show needs. When we did American Idiot, yeah, uh, I cast the show specifically so that we had the leads. Uh, two tenors, three baritones, two sopranos, three altos. Nice. And that show Smart. was beautifully blended great, yeah. the whole way through. We have to realize that the way the human ear hears things, you need more low end yes. in like a vocal harmony mm -hmm. because the high things are going to cut through yeah. no matter what. You can have an easier. ensemble of 30 people with two sopranos and you will hear those notes every single time. Yeah. Putting aside even that it takes more air to get up to those notes, it's generally a little bit louder to mm -hmm. sing those notes. Even if everybody was singing at the same volume, you would hear those notes. And people just don't think about that. The number of times that I see a, an ensemble in community theater where it is just all soprano. Oh, God. it I don't... It sounds bad. It's so, too it much does soprano. sound bad. It's too much, and it, it gets shrill. It gets really bad, and I don't like it. Especially, I mean, like... It's like, it's like that old, uh, you probably don't, might not know this joke, but I used to play in an orchestra when I was like growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, every year we would do a summer concert and it was like a big Independence Day, July 4th thing, right? Mm -hmm. And there we always did the, uh, oh, what is it called? It's uh, Stars and Stripes Forever. Yeah. In the middle of Stars and Stripes Forever, there's a piccolo Part, like a pretty famous piccolo mm -hmm. part yep, yep. and the director would never let more than two piccolos play it that's and right. all of these flute players would show up with their piccolos and every year he would be like do you know how you tune two piccolos to the same pitch and it would be like no how and he'd be like you kill one of them <laughs> uh <laughs> that is a funny joke and it's but it's the same way with voice as soon as if you have a ton of sopranos if one of them dips mm -hmm. four cent below the pitch it's oh bad. boy is it the worst sound yeah. you've ever heard nails talk about nails board. talk yeah. about nails on a chalkboard mm -hmm. and it's just it uh it's not serving the show in the way that you think it does yeah. i do feel like some people think like high note good it's it is a lot about ego i think people like and i get it because like i you know, I'm, I'm about to almost contradict and make myself look like the asshole here, but I am a trained tenor and I usually like Same. I'm usually put on those tenor parts. But there have been times I mean, I the I think the first the show I did before what I consider my first show mm -hmm. was an opera. And I don't consider I don't I don't add that in my resume. And I don't say that that was the first show that I did when I moved to Boston. But I was put on a baritone part and I was like, oh, thank God. Like it to me, I was happy to not have to do tenor in that show, uh, because it it 
It was like, that's one less thing to worry about. We were also singing in Russian and I didn't need more to worry about. Also, it depends on, like, I am like a rock tenor. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, same thing, like, whatever. Say all the tenor jokes. Email us all the tenor jokes. I, but like, there are some shows where I look at the tenor part. I've looked at the tenor part and been like, oh God, I don't want to sing this. This is so hard. (laughs) Yeah, there are definitely times I'm like, I, listen, I would love to take a, like, and yeah. especially in an I'm sorry in an ensemble role ego for what ego like nobody's for gonna what? be like I like you yeah really sang the hell out of those high notes in the ensemble that I could barely hear you in like if you're if you can hear one person out of the ensemble more something's then wrong you're, then you're not doing the it blend right. is the, the blend, blend is blown. bad yeah yeah so like take your ego aside for a second and quite and I've you know what I in a select choir that I was in once there was a soprano who um, she normally sang soprano one in chorus and oh, she, God. and a random, like the, 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 this director just said like one, two, one, two, one, two across. And she got soprano two and she flipped out and she came to me. She's like, I cannot sing soprano two. It's far too low. And so we, I, I decided to um, do, you know, do some science. And so I broke out the music and I said, let's go through and let's find the lowest note that you would sing as a soprano one and see how much lower that is, how much higher that is than the lowest note you would sing as a soprano two. Obviously, they were the same note. And so I said, if it's too low for you to, if it's, if soprano two is too low for you, then you can't sing soprano one either. So this happened to me once. I had someone come to me. I had assigned them the alto harmony mm-hmm. because, and again, it is all because of, I'm sure this person is a stunning soprano. I would know because I had made them sing the alto part mm-hmm. and they were so pissed and their justification was just that it's too, too low. low for me and me being me i just said well this is a contemporary musical theater piece Mm -hmm. so that means the alto part goes down to a middle c and if you can't sing that low that simply means that you do not have control of your voice no because everyone should be able to sing a middle c unless you are a bass or some anomaly ultra soprano right that can sing up to like a c8 everyone but should be able to sing a middle at a c8 c. then she has a four octave range that's what i'm saying about it, that everyone should be able to sing a middle c if you're if you are only singing this w- weird range that is not like then what do you sing what else what else do you sing besides something in that weird range right right uh so that's that's yeah, assigning yeah. vocal parts is a huge thing that I feel like is missed a lot and I feel like within the paradigm of the conversation that we have here, mm-hmm. I feel like it's something that everyone could benefit from learning. And to learn how to be assertive but not an asshole about no, you are going to sing the vocal part that I assigned you mm-hmm. because it is for the benefit of the show. Yeah. And just, again, put your ego aside. Have fun with that part. Yeah. Just enjoy it anyway. It's not that big a deal. This is not going to affect your life, I promise you. It's not going to affect your voice. 
No. Next up, I wanted to, I, I added this in even though it's not technically a it. part of the music rehearsal process, but it is something that I'm very particular about, and that is style choices when you're singing, um, it, depending on the musical. Obviously, every show has a different style, and particularly, I think my biggest pet peeve is getting that, vocally, getting that style wrong. If you're not a great singer but you still sing in the right style, I will forgive you more than if you sing a, you know, a, a legit so- a legit vocal song as if it's contemporary rock. I will not, I, I have a huge problem with that. On vice versa, if you sing contemporary with a legit sound, that, that irks me a lot. And I, this is something that we talk about a lot, um, I, I'm going to make a lot of enemies with what I'm about to say, Do but it. my biggest problem with um, Anne Juliet is that we are taking these pop songs and using this like pristine, over-enunciated musical theater sound, and I hate that. I hate it, hate it, hate it. P- the, that era of pop music is not meant to be enunciated, and... I have a huge problem with that. I have this conversation with Sam a lot about how like dweeby musical theater only singers sound. Oh yeah, when they do singing a pop song. rock rock and pop yeah. songs, and you, it can like I, really really be awful. I'm the, gonna call you out because you did that once for for American Idiot. You had us do an over-enunciated sound, and I told you I didn't like that. And I still, I know, I, I don't think you're, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Nope. I, di- I really didn't like that choice. I it told you. It was not you. over-enunciated. Oh my God. You wanted to correctly. sing every, no, you wanted us to use like hard E's instead of vocally, instead of um, vowel change mm-hmm. to like, like. I don't believe in me. You wanted that. Instead of, I don't believe in me. Yes, you absolutely said. I remember that. That's when I like lost it. I I think, okay, that show is interesting because you're you're not wrong. Well, I've never been wrong once. Go ahead, Trey. Uh, You're not wrong, but the style is important there, but also... That show is a heavy lift to tell the story. I agree. And part of that story, I mean, the whole thing is sung. It is an opera. Mm -hmm. So the story has to be told through the lyrics. So for someone who's never heard that music and is not familiar with that style, you do have to not modify all the way so that the words are still being heard by someone who's not familiar with it. This is a phenomenon that happens a lot and it really affects I find it affects a lot of sound design if you know something then you subconsciously like kind of like sing along to it yeah so you can forgive like vowel modifications and stuff Mm -hmm. because you know what is being said you can forgive that you can't hear the actors over like an orchestra or something because you know what the words are supposed to be so your brain is filling in the blanks there right so in in my view of that, I don't want to get rid of the style entirely, but I do want 
to put a focus on being able to hear the text. My my issue with that is that you were never going to tell the story through the lyrics of that show anyway. You were going to tell the story through the stage direction and the acting. Like that, to me, you guys focused on the wrong thing to tell the story. And I, not to say that you didn't, I, I still think that we got the story across with this, with the direction and with the acting, but I felt like that was that was a step in the wrong direction that was unneeded. I, I disagree. I think there's a healthy balance that you can strike there. Sure, but I don't think it was needed at all. I don't think that, I honestly don't Agreed think that disagree. we were going to get the audience to understand it anymore with, with the lyrics. I think some of those lyrics are beautiful I'm and evocative. very, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are definitely times when I think, like, if there's a lyric that really, like, that you don't think that the audience will hear unless you bring it out. You can find a way of doing that. I I I need the style to stay, and that includes all vowel modifications. I also, will lose it. Also, can I just say that this is the most... If Mama Mia can I'm, do it, we can. I'm, I'm realizing that this is the most, like... I'm clearly very, like, passionate about this subject because this is absolutely the most pedantic I've been on this podcast this entire <laughs> time. I'm, like, very, like, honed in right now instead of being like, fuck, yeah, whatever, man. Uh, <laughs> what's next? Well, yeah, let's move on. Um, the rehearsal process. Let's just talk about, like, can you go through standard music rehearsal process in, like, five minutes? Learn music, repeat. How? Okay. That is how you were about to ask how that is how I find that. Is that the, all that you would tell somebody when they're about to music direct a rehearsal for the first time? Maybe I, you know, you should I, never become I think, a teacher. <laughs> I am a teacher. I. So I, I um, stand by what I just said. <laughs> no, go into. Uh, Pretend that you're on a podcast I think and you're giving that, information. I think that um, the music rehearsal process is um, kind of, it, you know, it depends on who's running it. It depends on what you want to do. I think that um, the main thing that I like to think about is that, you know, this is not a, a teaching situation, right? In so much that, like, I'm not, trying to like break everything down and like break down the theory of why things are happening mm -hmm. and why things need to happen a certain way. Simply you're trying to get the information across. Yeah. Especially in the confines of a musical, you don't have a ton of time to like, you have to get the music taught so that the other things can happen. Especially if you're talking about a show that is like mostly sung through. Mm-hmm. You have to get that music taught quick. Yeah. Because it also has to be staged. It also has to be choreographed. Um, it's still on my thing of like, you need to know the music before you go into a choreography rehearsal. Yeah. Whether you're singing and, and taking my thing with that or not, you need to know the music before you go into that rehearsal. Um, so a lot of what I do is just like, okay, here's the first eight bars. We're going to learn it. Got it. Great. Here's the next eight bars. Mm -hmm. Put that with the first eight bars. We're going to rep that three or four times. Here's the next eight bars. We're going to put that with the other 16 bars and then we're just going to rep that. And I just build muscle memory. Okay. And that is 
all there is to it for me is just like, you have to get that muscle memory and you have to get in early. Then you can go in and you can sculpt and you can refine. There's always, in a, in a decent process, there's always time for that. There's mm -hmm. always time to refine things. Do I wish that, you know, in a perfect world, every member of the cast comes in already knowing all of their harmonies and lyrics? Oh, I would never ask that, that would be I would never ask that either in a perfect world though that's what would happen right yeah. so you could just from minute one you could start talking about dynamics and phrasing and mm -hmm. style and right. all of these like nuanced things that make something sound really incredible mm -hmm. right take it to yeah. that next level but that's not the reality of yeah. community theater it just isn't the reality of community theater yeah most people don't have the skills to read music. They don't have any way to like plunk out notes for themselves. Yeah. So you Not have they to, need to, you have to do that work for them. Yeah. And you have to do it in a way that is digestible to the lowest common denominator in the cast. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I find my way of doing that is repetition. I'm sure other people have other ways, other theories about that. I'd love to hear them. But that's my music rehearsal process. Get it taught as quickly as possible, like really like cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Then go back in, add the dynamics, add the the nuance. Yeah. I I think that's a, a pretty standard way that you, you see in most music rehearsals. Uh, same thing. I, like something else that I've seen and I actually particularly like is same idea just starting from the end that way when you build like when you build forward it's a little bit easier to like like you it naturally ends at the like you can start in one place and then it naturally kind of like goes on and concludes so i think the most important not to get too like out there with it uh i think the most important part of any show it's the beginning of the show, the opening number, yeah. and the end of the show, the closing number. That's exactly right. Because the beginning of the show is what's going to draw your audience in and make them come into this world and come in on like on this journey with you, mm -hmm. right? And the end of the show is what they're going to leave thinking about. Yeah. So that's usually where I start. Is depending on the scope of these numbers. Um, I did this with American Idiot. Mm -hmm. The first rehearsal we did American Idiot, which is the opening number of the show, and What's Her Name, which is essentially the closing number yeah. of the show. Those things have to be strong. Mm -hmm. Everything else in the middle is is fluff compared to those two numbers. I want it to be as good as those two numbers, but if it's not, You've the beginning is strong and the end is strong. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on to a big, and you know I'm going to tell this story. We're going to talk about Sits Probe, which Sits is like, that is the that is the music director's day. That is their day. It's the best rehearsal. It, 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 everything should just be handed over to them. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to tell the story of probably the worst Sits Probe I've ever been a part, as a music director, the even as, an, as anything, the worst um, Sits Probe I've ever been a part of, where... I came in prepared. I was like, I this is how we're gonna run it. I was so I was so excited. It was my first sits probe as a music director. I was ready to go, prepared. I come into rehearsal like chairs, like chairs set up, like ready to like ready to like 
run, ready to run this whole thing. And the director comes up to me and he says, so for Sitz Probe, which songs would you want to do? I said, all of them. This is It's a Sitz Probe. This is when you run all of the songs with the band. This is the first time that the actors get to sing with the full band. They get that in their ear. They get some really important cues from them. We might need to do some vamps. Like, I, I don't know why I was explaining Sitz Probe to this person. And he said, so we actually need you to pick like a few songs to do because we actually need to use this for like choreography rehearsal with the band. And I said, that's not what Sitz Probe is. This is about the music. This is not about like choreography. I, it, like this is supposed to be full, just voice and band. Um, and he said, I'm sorry. Well, they're, you know, they're, they need work on their choreography. They're, they don't know their dances. So we're going to have to turn this into that. And I got so upset. I, th- it was the worst. I w- I'd never been so upset in my life. And if you are a director, if you're a music director, that should never happen. Find another rehearsal. Do not do that during a sits probe. So I wanted to make sure that I was correct on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sits probe is a German word. Yep. Meaning seated rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sits. Sit. Yeah. Prova alatana. Probe. Anal. Sit. (laughs) It Um, it makes sense. I, yeah. Uh, Sits probes. I always say that sits probe is the most fun rehearsal of the entire process. Yeah. It literally, you've been going and going and going and building and building and building. And at this point in most rehearsal processes, you are up, you're doing runs. It's very stressful. It's often like your first runs through the material. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to generally a piano only. Yeah. Play through the music. And then all of a sudden, you're just sitting and you don't have to worry about your blocking, your yeah. choreography. You just sit and you get to listen and you get to experience professional musicians play through this material that yeah maybe you've heard it on a soundtrack but there's nothing like the electricity of having someone play live music in front of you especially to be able to sing along to Mm it um i have some grievances with how sits probes are run uh like when they have to dance. Yeah, none I of have that. Some fucking grievances. Yeah, none of that. I um, it really is often the only rehearsal that a music director will get with the orchestra. So, the actors need to be made to understand that, like, this is not about them. It is about the music director lining things up. Vamps mm-hmm. and cues are, yep. are a huge part of it. It is about the music director making sure that all of the musicians are playing the music correctly. Yes. Uh, that will throw everything off. I mean, I I have a very tight list of hires mm-hmm. that I make, which I have curated over the years, that these are people I know will play the music, will execute the music to the level that I want them to as a music director we often talk i mean we t- we've talked about warm-ups about voice about you know 
Music director also means you have to have a working knowledge of how instruments function within an orchestra or band setting. Mm -hmm. This means if you are a music director, you need to take the time to go out of your way to not just know if something is right or wrong, but and you don't have to like you don't have to know how it's not like a music educator where you have to right. know how to teach someone to play trumpet on the fly. Mm-hmm. But if something in the score says if it's like a guitar part in a score and it says PM in the music, you need to know that that means palm mute. Mm-hmm. You need to know what that means. You need to know what it sounds like so that you can tell if it's being executed. Right. Because if if you're just looking at it and going, oh, this is gibberish to me, then yeah. you're not doing the job. Right. You're doing you're a vocal director at that mm-hmm. point. You're not a music director. Correct. Um, you know, I am lucky that like throughout my life, the things that I have done have led me to be able to do all of the different facets mm-hmm. that I think, and this is maybe This is maybe the summation of this whole episode, right? A music director is a large term. Yeah. I am lucky that I have acted. So I understand it from a, the director's side of the music director. I understand Mm -hmm. how to get a performance out of someone. Yeah. I am a voice teacher. So I know how to pull a vocal performance out of someone. I know how to help someone achieve something that they maybe don't think that they can do. Mm -hmm. And I am a musician. And I, not only am I just a musician, but I've played in any size ensemble you can think of. So I understand how to direct, conduct, give notes, make changes from that side of it, right? Mm -hmm. So many people only focus on one part of this and think that it's okay. When the knowledge is really out there, Mm -hmm. you just have to isolate what you don't know and go find the knowledge. Right. Yeah. Um. And Sitzprobe is a is a big indicator that maybe some people don't know kind of what they're doing, right? Yeah, it's very that is like it is a very exposed, vulnerable moment for the music director. Yeah, where it's all there and you can't hide behind anything. No, no. you know I. So I think I, yeah, I it is my favorite rehearsal, but I I've seen them run so poorly you really need to just like you need to be able to get through everything and you need to make it effective yeah you need to have an effective have use have a plan. of this probe. you have to have a plan it's not just okay run through all the numbers like make sure like is there a vamp like make sure that everybody feels that vamp and when they're supposed to come in and like help your your band understand it generally it's about three or four vamps before we move on, but pay attention during this part. Or what I've, I mean, I often find myself saying, okay, we're going to get into this vamp. This is how I'm going to call a hold in the vamp. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to call a move yeah. on. This is, you know, I yeah. have different hand gestures yeah. and I will just Absolutely. say, this is how I do it. Does everyone understand? Is that okay for everyone? Does anyone need something different? Yeah. And that's just, you know, I've been in a lot of situations where, a music director will cue a vamp, but who knows? Because it's just some random motion. It's just, yeah, which everybody has a different motion. Everyone has a different motion. Different things. Yeah. It, you know, it, yeah. 
sits probes are are, are are fun, but they are functional. There's yes. a function to it. There's and a real... we, we we have to we have to play into that function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you've already kind of talked about this, but I mean as far as like when once you've added the band in, which is kind of the last kind of piece of the puzzle that's added in, um I mean is there is there any you've kind of already talked about how you do it. Is there anything else that you want to add in? Um No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've talked about you've like you find the right people that will perform to the level that you want to. You kind of explain what you need from them. I'll say this uh as a closing kind of like band thought. Mm-hmm. As a closing thought to the episode. Sure. Uh don't uh if there are music directors listening there uh, are. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to fire someone. Oh, yeah. It, it, professionals, right? If you're yep. hiring a professional musician and you're paying them and they're not doing the job, fire them. Yeah. Find somebody else. I know it's stressful to find somebody else, but uh, you can. Sometimes it's needed. You can. I Yeah. I'd rather that than sit through two or three weeks of Garbage somebody not, not playing it right. Being a problem. Yeah. Being a problem. That's another, I mean, that could be a whole episode. That's a, I mean, that could be anybody in the cast or the yeah. production mm, team. Let them go. So, yeah. Let them go. Uh, yeah. So that was a That's lot cool. of information and opinions about music directing. Yeah. I'm excited for this episode. Let us, let us know your opinions on music directing. Yes. What a great, what a great way of segueing into socials. Um, which is my favorite part of every episode, to be honest. But our new yes, socials are all dashes. There's no dashes in any of our socials, no matter what you've heard me see, say before. Dash, 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 um, gmail.com. All of our socials on um, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, uh, as long as Twitter is still around, <laughs> is theater mandate, all one word, no dashes. And our email, because we do enjoy our our emails that we get from our audience, asking for advice, giving advice, helping us uh, settle any fights that we have between us, um, validating us for some of our thoughts. Um, please do so at theatermandate at gmail.com. Theatermandate, all one word, no dashes, at, theater, at gmail.com. Until next time. Bye, Adam. Bye, Trey.